1: Check us out online, packer.net.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. As you probably can guess, we do have quite a bit to talk about today. Um, there was some breaking news that was not at all breaking news, and uh, all kinds of goodies. And I never really know where to start, but let's let's start here with some more serious news, and uh, quite honestly, some somber news. Hate to set the tone this way, but it is important. It was reported earlier today that the Jets' assistant coach Greg Knapp was in critical condition after a biking accident. Just read this briefly. This is via CBS Sports' uh, Patrick Walker. Tragedy has struck the New York Jets, and the organization as a whole is pulling for Greg Knapp, the newly installed Pass Game Specialist for 2021. Knapp, 58, was reportedly riding his bicycle this week when he was struck by a vehicle, per Mike Kliss of 9 News in Denver. He is currently in critical condition, and on Tuesday, his family released a statement regarding the accident via the team, quote, Greg is an an amazing father and husband whose passing for life can be felt in all his interactions with people. He is our rock and biggest supporter, pushing us to all strive to be better each day with constant love and inspiration. While many know him for his achievements as a coach, his impact as a father and husband are far greater, we're so fortunate to have him in our lives so obviously all the best um greg to greg knapp and to the jets and to his his uh family especially be sure to uh keep him in your prayers in other uh negative news there's also been reports that the injury bug has started to bite early in fact the injury bug actually started uh prior to this but this is the most significant so we're going to start here um According to sources, Mr. Cam Akers, running back, starting running back for the L.A. Rams, uh, will miss the entire 2021 season with a torn Achilles injury. Now, this is fairly significant, um, largely because of what I said. I mean, it's horrible for Cam, it's horrible for the Rams and all that. But from our perspective as Packer fans, remember what I had said. I I think it's very possible the Rams are our um, biggest challenge this year. It's not a guarantee, but they're certainly one of the teams that could be contenders for the top NFC team. Now, they're not completely out of luck. In fact, Daryl Henderson, the guy that they drafted in 2019 in the third round, actually graded out as a better running back last year and played nearly as many snaps, 397 compared to 347. So, you know, a handful less snaps. I think the bigger issue, though, is the lack of depth. They have Daryl Henderson, and that's about it. Uh, If you look at the rest of the running backs that I can currently see, uh, you got Raymond Calais, who's a seventh-round pick in 2020, Otis Anderson, 2021 free agent, uh, Xavier Jones is a 2020 free agent, and Jake Funk, 2021 seventh-round pick. So there's nobody earlier than a seventh-round pick um, to back up Daryl Henderson. Also should be noted that um, Daryl is a very small running back. He's five 5'8", 208. So um, he did have a big breakout year last year, but it was his only big breakout year. So it's, you know, can he keep that up? Especially without Cam, you know, if, you just, if you're just lightning and the thunder is gone, what does that do? So um, uh, as of right now, apparently the Rams are not looking to bring somebody in. I tend to think that that's the Rams keeping things close to the vest, and I think that they fully intend to at least work real hard at exploring their options. By the way, I don't have any commentary on the Bucks game. Um, if they if they won and you're wondering why I'm not celebrating, um, I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't even happened. I probably won't even know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay up or if I'm going to be passed out or what. I can't watch it. I don't have cable and I don't feel like paying anything or getting this. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll try, but I, f- I really feel like I want to and the last couple games that I have not seen, I mean, I've been watching on my phone, like just following along or whatever, but man, these games, I I even mentioned the last couple that I was able to watch before my uh, monthly subscription ran out, um, incredibly exciting, and I feel like there's a big historic thing about to happen tonight, and I'm gonna miss it, and I'm kind of talking myself into watching it now, but anyways, if you're wondering why I'm not commenting, that's why I have no idea what happened, I have not seen it yet. In other injury news, uh, Vikings' Michael Pierce, again, significant for the Green Bay Packers as well, has been injured. Um, He suffered a calf injury while working out, according to some Twitter thing. I don't know. Oh, Ian Rappaport. There you go. (laughs) According to some bum on Twitter. Apparently, the prognosis is he may miss the start of training camp, but the doctors believe he'll be fine for the season opener. So nothing super significant in terms of him missing time. Um, certainly won't miss any time against the Green Bay Packers. However, it's still not a great sign. You got a guy that's been mostly off his feet since 2019. Hasn't really had a big dominant year since 2018. We're in 2020 right now, and he's starting off the season with an injury. So um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm certainly I don't want to say I'm scared of him. But I'm, I'm certainly aware of what Michael Pierce, at his best, can do. 2016, 17, and 18, he was certainly a force against the run. Uh, 2018, he also at least got close to a 10% pressure rate, so there's something there. But um, it's not a slam dunk, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him and, and how things are going. And again, it, it's not that significant of an injury, but when there's a big question mark on how is he going to come back, and the first thing that happens that you hear about the guy is that he pulls his 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 calf or whatever it was. I don't know. I, it's not super great. I mean, for them, it's fine for from my perspective. Not the injury. I'm just saying that he maybe isn't coming back in the best of shape or whatever. Which I guess when you're 340 pounds, how good a shape can you be in? I mean, seriously. I mean, I know these guys are in peak physical condition as far as 340 pound guys can go, but there's some wear and tear, man. That's, that's doing damage to your knees and your ligaments and your joints and your muscles and everything else. I don't care... I don't care how good your doctors are. And that hurts. Anyways, we may we may as well transition to the the news of the hour of the day. This never ending, just garbage. So, and it's weird because we we still talked about it. Um, this whole big thing with uh, there's a couple different things, but Schefter decided that he would make himself relevant again for some reason. he And I'm still, I'm not entirely sure why, but for some reason he decided to jump out and put out a tweet that was very breaky newsy, but he didn't break news. Well, except a a big handful of, but there were a lot, I'll be honest, it it seemed like 50% of the people had no idea that this was a thing, but the news that he kind of broke without saying that he was breaking news um, sounded like he was just kind of ranting to himself is the fact that Aaron Rodgers was offered a massive contract and turned it down. Here's the thing. We already knew that. This was reported by Bob McGinn back in May. Bob McGinn wrote an article and said that he was offered top quarterback money and he turned it down. So this isn't breaking news. It's also, by the way, the kind of speculation that I, I, I will say that I'm not a I I've never said, I've always been a little bit wary of that report because I'm not sure I buy it. I know I've said Schefter's not making it up, and it's true. Schefter's not making it up, but there's a difference between reporting what he knows and, and reporting what he's heard and then just straight up speculating, and he does all three. And he said said as much. He reported there was a problem. There's clearly a problem. I'm not going to go into depth on that. I did that yesterday. That's not debatable. There is an issue between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. But there are also reports that are of secondhand people who tell you things, but they don't necessarily know. Sometimes those people are are bad. Sometimes, number two, they just flat out lie to you because it's agents or it's whatever trying to get the media to spin things, so they say things that aren't true. Or it's kind of hearsay type stuff. You know, I heard from a guy who said this, and it was somewhere along the line it's either misconstrued or just flat out false. And then there's the speculation aspect, which is, putting certain things together. I see this, 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 and this, which I know are true, which leads me to believe this, right? I see ABC, which leads me to believe D. I'm going to report D. We don't know D. You're speculating D. We just know ABC. Game's about to start in two minutes, so my phone was just blowing up. People are losing it right now. Now, as for that specific report, Schefter is not reporting anything that he knows. He's citing an article that we all saw, and that's that the only person I've seen say that, other than people that quoted him, was Bob McGinn. Bob McGinn is the original, I shouldn't say the original source, but he's the one that broke it. And I don't know if anybody knows who his source was or where he got that from. Obviously, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are not going to touch that one. So I I don't know. And that came out at a time where there was a flurry of rumors. Some of them, I tend to believe, right? That, I mean, it came out right around the time that Schefter said there was an issue. We found out there was, in fact, an issue. You know, we found out that the Packers had been flying out to meet with Rodgers and all these... So there's certain things that we learned that were true, but there was also certain things that we learned that were not, like, uh, what was it? Oh, the Packers told Aaron Rodgers they were planning to trade him. That was just flat-out fake. That was reported by the media. I'm guessing it wasn't an intentional lie. It was just somebody... Trusting a source or running with a source that they shouldn't have, or whatever the case, and you know, it's a black mark on his record now. But again, the McGinn thing came out at the same time, and I don't know where he heard that from, and whether or not that that's true. If we believe that it's true, then my belief that Aaron Rodgers is coming back plummets. The reason that I've been is so high is because I just I don't see how any of this makes any sense. I mean, especially if Rodgers is saying, I don't want to be here, and the Packers say, hey, I got an idea, how about we make you an offer so that you have to stay here longer? That doesn't really compute for me. I understand the more money thing, but I, I don't know. Also seems weird that if he comes back, he's not going to take more money, because he can, as we'll talk about in a second, he can accept the fact that he's coming back, and accept the fact that he's going to be traded in 2022, which I'm not saying is a reality, but let's just say that that is the plan, and get some more money on top of it. So why wouldn't he take a better contract? What is the benefit to him to just saying, no, nah, I don't want the money, I'll just come back, and then we'll figure out a trade later? No, just take the extra money. So again, the one thing that I, I have said consistently is that this doesn't make a lot of sense. There's, no matter what the theory is, something doesn't hold up. Something doesn't quite make sense. The only thing there's really just no conflict from is that Rodgers just hates it here, and he just wants to leave. But if that's the case, then I would assume he's just not going to come back. I mean, if you're turning down number one quarterback money, that's pretty serious. But anyways, again, just the whole thing was stupid, and Schefter basically just reminded everybody. He did add a couple details that I don't think we knew um, that it would have added two years on to the deal or whatever. Okay. But even that, I you know, I don't know there's, there's too many very, and and when we get into that, we're getting into the weeds, right? I'm comfortable standing back and saying, there's something going on here, and I don't know if he's coming back, and if you want to fight me on that, you go ahead. That's, that's your prerogative, but again, you're not going to win that. If you want to speculate what's going on, now we're getting into the weeds, and we can play the game, and we could talk about it, but I don't know. Again, I think it makes sense that this is a big posturing move to make more money. I could also see where it makes sense that this has nothing to do with money, because again, we've known that he's been disgruntled for a long time. And as I've said now numerous times, kind of helps the argument for Gutekunst drafting Jordan Love when you have a quarterback that you know is on the verge of saying, I don't want to be here anymore. How irresponsible would it be to not draft a quarterback in that situation? By the way, speaking of uh, bad reporting, we uh, had seen the last couple of days, and I hadn't—I don't think I've commented on it. I was, planning on it. And I just, I don't know, I didn't really care enough to do it because it's kind of stupid. But there was the report that Aaron Rodgers had his house deep cleaned, And the implication being he had a deep clean, like a lot of these Packer players do, because like the rest of these guys, they're coming back and they want their house to be clean. I don't know why their house would be dirty if it's been untouched for so long, but you know, maybe rats moved in. I don't know, whatever. It was also pointed out that it could also be a sign that he's selling the house. So either way, the, the whole report is dumb leaving aside the part where usually these kinds of reports are nonsense. Some random lady on Facebook says she's friends with somebody who's running a cleaning service for Rogers, and he had his house cleaned. Okay. Well, thanks to um, Mr., Uh, come on now, Pat McAfee. There we go. This is nonsense. In fact, he got a text message from Aaron Rodgers. So basically, we know that they're friends, right? Um, So he, he... Earlier that day, and I had that audio all queued up, but I don't really need it now because I have this one. Earlier in that day, he and A.J. Hawk were talking about, so this report came on. They were kind of making fun of it, but like, dude, he's getting his house cleaned. Like, here's here's kind of this report. So obviously he texted Aaron Rodgers and is like, is this real? Like, did you get your house cleaned? And Rodgers basically just texted him back and said no. But uh, here is the audio of Pat McAfee basically reading a text message from Aaron Rodgers regarding this. If you're one of the people that believed that he's coming back because of a deep cleaning. Also, they touch on the country club membership thing which is also a silly rumor going around. So here is that audio.
0: Potential breaking news. Okay. I'd say definitely. (laughs) My sources have told me. Very good sources, by the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's just go ahead and say very good sources. Um. Aaron Rodgers has never had his house deep cleaned by anyone. Whoa, uh, you whoa. What whoa. What do that's you what my sources have told me. I thought it was scheduled for this week. Yeah. No, no, he He's is been ne- doing it the last 10 years. I have never had my house deep clean. Oh, shit. Aaron <laughs> <laughs> told me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, good my service. sources. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it is a good source. It's I did not source. lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never had my house deep cleaned by anyone but my amazing cleaner. So I think he has somebody personal. That, yes, I believe. I don't know. Maybe Lace knows this lady. I'm not a like lady that posts on Facebook. I don't think so. Maybe late or, or man, whoever it is. Maybe Lace knows this, but I've never had my house deep cleaned by anyone but my cleaner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Also, the country club renewal isn't something like I pick and choose to do.
1: Right. So the country club was automatically renewed. He probably never even realized it was a thing. When you have that much money, um, you know, a few thousand dollars coming out of your bank account, you don't even really notice. And the house cleaning thing was fake. So fake and fake. By the way, I'm uh, one follower away from 2700. I've never actually seen like a milestone thing before. I've been like, hey guys, check it out. I don't know. I don't really, I don't want to sound like pompous, like I'm too good for Twitter. I just, it does nothing for me. Like if I post something on Twitter, there's this, there's going to be five or six people that are already super supportive of the podcast that'll like it and share it and all that stuff, but there's no traction. If I post a link to my podcast, maybe two people out of 2,700 will click on it and listen to the show, and they're probably people that already listen to the show, and they're like, ah, oh, the link's right here, I might as well click on it here. It just, it doesn't matter to me. It's the only reason I keep saying I don't care about Twitter. There's the the class cross-platform, what, people on Twitter want to be on Twitter. Nobody wants to get off Twitter and go do something else hey, go check out my Facebook group. They're like, no, dude, I'm on Twitter. I don't want to be on Facebook. If I wanted to be on Facebook, I'd be on Facebook. I'm Twitter right now. Anyways, I mentioned the Aaron Rodgers situation, and there's been a lot of questions, even in my own brain, about how to make this all work, especially all the talk about the Packers offering Rodgers a contract. Now, maybe they still will, which, again, I would be surprised if he comes back with nothing done on this contract. Like, look, I know you're going to trade me, but I want more money. Of course they're going to, like, give me two million bucks. Just, just, just because, because I said so, and it's not going to hurt you, and it doesn't change very much. Just two million dollars. I'm going to buy, uh, I'm going to buy cars for my offensive linemen. Everybody's getting a Honda Odyssey. <laughs> They're big, all right. Need, need the space. But anyways, uh, Spot Track actually did a little bit of this homework. This is Michael Ginniti, Um Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers, and basically, how in the world can we pay Aaron Rodgers money, and still have enough Um, not dead cap money to be able to trade him next year. So here are the figures that he came up with. Just something to think about, something to, first of all, prove that it can be done, which was the big hurdle for me. But then second of all, kind of put into perspective what we might be looking at if this is in fact what the Packers do. Offer him a contract, he accepts the contract, and we still trade him next year. So he starts out, well he doesn't start off, but I'm going to skip a couple things. The Packers' thought process. If the plan is, and maybe has been, to keep Rodgers in the fold through 2021, then trade him, and subsequently hand the keys to Jordan Love, then this contract restructure can be treated as a one-year deal, except it isn't. There are two things to keep in mind. Cash flow. The quote-unquote sell to Rodgers will be front-loading a proper amount of cash into the 2021 season, which currently stands at $22 million. In other words, the actual amount of money in his pocket is currently $22 million. $22 million. The only thing that matters to Aaron Rodgers on this contract deal, if we are assuming, as I talked about, if, if it's just an understanding, and th- this is not a guarantee, it's just what a lot of people have floated out there, Brandt and whatnot, it's the idea that we want you to come back for one more year, and then we're going to trade you next year. The only way to sweeten the pot for Rodgers is to give him more money this year. Does no good to say I'll pay you more next year because you're not going to be here next year, and then it's just, you know, whatever. So bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the current cash in his pocket this year, $22 million. Uh, second thing to keep in mind, 2022 dead cap. Remember, the more money you add, the more money we have to pay. He goes on to say, currently speaking, the Packers would take on a $17.2 million dead cap hit to trade Rogers next mar- March, a feasible number. Any new signing bonus will add to this figure, so there's a bit of a balancing act to be performed here. So how do you give him more money, but not so much money that we can't even trade him next year because the dead cap hit will be too much? That's what he's trying to balance here. So he says the plan here now is to pull $42 million in cash into the 2021 season while still making him a tradable entity next March, both from the Packers and a new team's perspective. That's a third thing to keep in mind. If you make the contract too heavy and 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 structure it in a way, like for example, in base salary, where we don't have to pay that. We have to pay the remainder of the signing bonuses and things um, because that's essentially money we've already paid out, so we just have to to put it as a line item on our uh, salary cap. But if it's his base salary, we're not paying that. That's that's future money, and if you take him and his contract, you're taking that. The problem is now you are adding to what the team is giving up, and you're making him more expensive. And I don't. I'm not going to say they wouldn't touch him, but um, you're, you're losing value because they're going to say, okay, we'll take it and the contract, but you're going to lose a little bit of value on the back end as far as draft compensation, et cetera, et cetera. He says, the current contract is laid out as such, and there's a chart that you can't see, but I'll try to help you through that. With $22 million built into this season and $25 million plus into each of the next two for our restructure, we'll chop off the 2023 year and pull the $25 million base salary from it up into a signing bonus paid out in 2021. So, we're basically scratching out year three, paying him that money today. He says we'll also tack on three void years to the new contract to allow the signing bonus to prorate over the maximum term of, of cap uh, for cap purposes. Uh, here's how that'll look. So, the way that this would work again, his three year has become a two year, but we put three years on the back end of it. So, it went from a three year contract to a five year contract. So, this year, you got the base and the signing and all these different restructure things. However, the important thing to note is that this year his cap hit actually goes down from 37 to 36. However, his dead cap is 66 point5 so there's no way we can trade him. And his cash cash in his pocket went from twenty two million to 42 million. He just earned himself 20 million dollars in his pocket. Next year, things get a little bit more painful for the packers, but that's the price you pay. Next year again, base signing all that stuff kind of irrelevant. The uh, cash in his pocket stays the same, the $25 million as as was expected, but his dead cap hit is now $37.2 million. That's massive. That is $3.4 million more than the current largest dead cap hit ever, which is Carson Wentz's this past year. The receiving team will trade uh, will acquire Rogers on a one-year $25.5 million deal with a $15 million roster bonus set to be paid just days after his acquisition. So this is kind of how it could be done, but it's another one of those things, and the Packers have been doing a lot of this lately, where they do it because it feels like they need to do it, but you look at it and go, that's kind of painful, right? All these void years, all these backloaded contracts and everything else. And so again, ultimately, and, and you can do this a lot of different ways, but the, um, game on abc every game i've looked at has been on like espn just got to figure out how to get regular tv on my new television anyways so yeah it, it's uh it really just puts me in in the position of, of looking at this thing i don't know why the packers would be so desperate to to give him that money it just seems odd to me why you would be so desperate for one more year and again, that's another report that's coming out, or it's not really a report, but a lot of people are saying they're quite confident that's what the Packers are thinking, let's do one more year. But why? If you know you're, you're done after this year, why put yourself in such a bad position starting next year with that cap hit? And if you're so desperate for him now, why wouldn't you want him in 2022? So that, again, just so many weird things that don't make a lot of sense. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break right there? It's already kind of late, and bucks and sleep and stuff. Once again, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support this podcast for as little as $1 per month. It's not much to you, but it means a heck of a lot to me. When you factor in the size of the audience, there's definitely a lot that can be done um, that can really help me out. Also, please do not forget the Palmer Home for Children. You can reach out to me anytime if you want to make a donation to help out the children there, or you can go to my link on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, check it out and whatnot. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. So kind of a a cool little situation, Seven twenty, which for me is today, for you is yesterday, was the first day that rookies can report to training camp, meaning Green Bay Packers, as of yesterday, have begun arriving in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's a very, very exciting thing. We are now six days away from the first day of training camp, seven days away from the first practice of training camp. So crazy that all this stuff is like, a week or weeks away. First publicly open training camp is August 2nd, which sounds like a long way away when you say it that way, but August 2nd is uh, less than two weeks away. Family night is August 7th, so we are rapidly closing in. Dang, 15 to 7, huh? Bucks ain't messing around, man. I'm really upset. <laughs> I'm starting to get upset I'm not watching this. I gotta go. I gotta get. We gotta hurry. All right, what's next? Um, a couple of those preseason games that I mentioned will be televised live on NFL Network. Not that big of a deal for local people because we get to watch all of them. But for those of you that are out of network and don't really get to see a lot of Packers preseason stuff, um, but NFL Network is going to swoop in and help you guys out. Of the three preseason games, two of them are going to be televised. The second and third of preseason games, that is going to be the New York Jets at the Green Bay Packers 425 Eastern Time as well as the Buffalo Bills hosting the Green Bay Packers August 28th at 1 o'clock p.m. So um, for a lot of you guys that are out of network, and I forget that it's, I don't know if it's the majority, but it's pretty close to the majority of people listening to the podcast. Not only are you going to have the opportunity to watch a lot of the regular season games, but you're going to be able to see some of that preseason action as well, which is always very exciting. Anyways, why don't we finish off with a couple questions I solicited in the Facebook group. Nathan says, if Rodgers can't get the job done this year again, do we finally move on? That's kind of the question, though. Let's say this. If if Rodgers is bad or injured, I think the answer is probably yes. If he, for whatever reason, reverts back to 2018-ish Rodgers, I think they'll roll the dice with Jordan Love because the, the cost, and I've said this about other players, when you when you cost that much money, the bar is real high, and it's basically like you put a target on your own back. It's great to get the money, but as soon as you get that money, they're racing to get you off the team. Um, but if we're saying just can't get the job done, if we're talking NFC Championship and done, if we're talking real good team but just couldn't quite win a Super Bowl, that's where I think it becomes a question. Because it just—even though, again, a lot of people are saying that's the way it goes, it's just such a, a unbelievably difficult thing for me to fathom. Aaron Rodgers is still a top-three quarterback. Jordan Love is still an unknown— but we're going to move on. Yes, eh, maybe. And then if, if they win the Super Bowl, that makes it even more crazy. I mean, if he has another MVP level performance, doesn't have to be MVP, but another level of of that caliber, and then they go on to win the Super Bowl, how do you, how? You can't, can you? Unless it's just sort of a, you know, we came to an agreement, he said he wants to leave, we're going to honor it. I don't know, it's such a stupid situation. Uh, Stephen Bradley says, There's been all the Rodgers drama and now the news of him turning down the contract. I want nothing more than to see Rodgers win another championship in Green Bay, but at this point I feel I would be more excited watching Jordan Love play with this team. After the NFC Championship last year, I felt like the prospect of Rodgers winning a second Super Bowl was over. I just felt if it, was, uh, if it wasn't going to happen with that team and how they were playing, then it just wasn't going to happen. Do you feel similar? What are your thoughts? It is very weird to the fact that we're some of us are getting burned out from top level quarterback play. (laughs) Because that's sort of what we're talking about. I mean, he's he's good. And I think our appreciation of good has waned as our impatience of not winning has increased. And for some of us, you know, a lot of people would say that it's just being ungrateful and unrealistic, and boy, you know, you're going to come crashing down to reality when Jordan Love takes over and you're not a playoff team anymore. But I think some people fully acknowledge that's a reality and still would like to move on. They just want something new. They just feel like we've tried and tried and tried and tried, and it's just not there. Now, again, I kind of come back to the the situation with, well, two different things. One, Super Bowls are hard to win, right? Even if you have the best team, there's no guarantee. You just keep swinging. But the thing is, if you got a real good team... It's not going to take as many swings. If you have an average team, 1 in 32 chance. If you have a bad team, it might be more than that. If you have a good team, it's less than that. If you've got the best team in football, it might be as high as like a 1 in 5 chance. Or in the Patriots case, it was what? Like 1 in 3 over that 20-year period? Well, it was 1 in 4, right? I don't, I don't know. Well, what, do they win 5 in 20 years? 1 in 4? I don't know. Don't care to look it up. Something like that. And then, and then also the, you know, heads or tails thing, right? It, it's not true that because Aaron Rodgers hasn't gotten it recently, he can't get it recently. I think the, the point is you just play with your best hand. You play with your strongest hand, and Aaron Rodgers is your strongest hand. He gives you the best chance, unless you can point to something that would say that he's the problem, right? He's, you know, like Brett Favre, toward the end of his tenure, um, got a lot worse as the season rolled on because he was old, right? No offense, but I mean, in football years, 30 is getting old. And so at 35, 36, 37... The cold weather, the long season, toward the end of the season, he really started to deteriorate. But I don't know that there's anything quite like that, especially when you look at the fact that, um, at least insofar as this last game, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best players on that team. Um, If you look at the PFF grades and whatnot, he graded out higher than almost anybody else. So he was not the problem. It was everybody else around, well, not everybody, but it was, you know, obviously Kevin and Billy and... um, couple others along the offensive line and the defensive line, and guys that just didn't show up. So, in a sense, I kind of feel it, but at the same time, I'm not exactly there with you. I think uh, I think Rodgers does give us the best chance. I don't think it's true that if we haven't gotten it yet, we're not going to get it. We have. We've seen Aaron Rodgers hoist a trophy, and that was, you know, 10 years ago, which is still in the realm of, look, if you win two Super Bowls in 10, 11, 12-ish years, that's pretty solid. So, I kind of understand the the excitement of let's try something new, but I also think if, if you want to play with your best hand, your best hand is Rodgers. That's, that's that. Kevin says, is Devontae a Hall of Fame wide receiver? What does he need to do to get there? Could this be the cause for the ambiguity of the future, i.e. he would rather play with Carr than suffer through another Hundley? The wait and see is, in my opinion, is whether or not he can produce with love. Let's uh, look at the first part. I have no idea what it takes to be a Hall of Fame player. Um, I'd have to look at a list, and I'm sure if you looked at the list of Hall of Famers, you'd find a couple people that you'd kind of turn your head sideways and say, yeah, I think Devontae's at least on that tier. You know, um, Devonte's a good player. But at the same time, if, if you set the bar at Devontae, you've got to let a lot of people in. And, and again, I'm, I'm more strict on what I think it should be. But again, I'm not the gatekeeper of the Hall of Fame. If I was a strict gatekeeper of the Hall of Fame, I don't think at this particular point in time Devontae has done enough to get into the Hall of Fame, no. He's had, you know, four seasons of 1,000 yards. He's had four seasons of 10-plus touchdowns. He's had four seasons, as far as PFF is concerned, of 80s or higher. Now, the the case for Devontae is not going to be that hard in terms of, you know, what is it going to take to get there. He just has to maintain this for a little while longer. The fact that he hit number one wide receiver... That's important. because prior to this, I mean, if you've always been seen as like a top five, top ten guy, but never really that, you know, the top two, not number two kind of category, you know, even look at Julio. the the, the, the reason I would look at a Julio and say that he will be is just because he's been so unbelievably dominant. He's one of those guys that you just dread having to go up against. He's so big, he's so fast, he's so freakish, he's so unstoppable. You, you on a year-to-year basis, you come into the league saying, or come into the season saying, he's he's the number one guy. Or at least, if he's not, he's debatably the number one guy. I don't think Devontae's ever really had that before up until last year outside of Green Bay. So he needs to really prove that he's not a one-year wonder. And, and obviously, I don't mean that in terms of him being a one-year wonder in terms of being good. I mean being great in terms of just being one of the elite. Just every year he shows up and he's just dominant. You know what you get out of Devontae, and it's not just good, it's elite, it's great, it's top five, it's top three. So, I don't know, one more year, two more years, and then not a steep draw. I mean, if, if he can do this two more years of, let's say, being a top three guy, right? You know, similar to what you get with, you know, like I said, a Julio. Although, who, see, here, here's the difference. If, let's just look at PFF grades, for example. Um, I mentioned Devontae's had four years and, and the problem is Devontae got kind of a late start, right? But 86, 80, 89, 92, 93, 91, 90, 90, 86. So it's actually very similar what we've seen with Devontae, and I'll tell you what if if I don't know if I've ever been so excited because in, in my mind he's got one more year and then he starts to to fall off. He's 29, he's going to be 30 and 31, 32, et cetera, et cetera. This is a very similar trajectory. If you look at, let's say, 2016 for Devontae is 2011 for Julio. In those four years, you get 71, 86, 80, 89. In these four years, you get 72, 80, 87, 88. The only real difference in there is that Julio had like one bigger year and then went down for a year. But then you have the big breakout year. Julio had his first year in the 90s in 2015 92.5. Devontae the next year had 92.0. So again, my concern is Devontae then from here, maybe he gets another 90, maybe it's like an 89, but he slowly starts to decline as he starts to get older. Julio didn't though. When he got to 92, what did he do next? 93, 91, 90, 90. His first season of not in the 90s was this year, 2020. So he maintained it, is my point. He maintained it after that first year, one, two, three, four more years, and his first step back is at the age of 32. and it was an 86.3. And I, I I understand the grades are not everything, but again, statistics they don't tell you enough. The grade is more about dominance, right? Lots of people get yards. I mean, you, you got to have some talent to have yards, but it's just there, there are other factors that contribute to that. But if we need to do that fine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So Devontae's got four, Julio's got eight. Um, touchdowns, though, Julio's only, ha- and I know he's he's always had that weird thing of not getting a lot of touchdowns, which is strange for a 6'3", 220-pound guy, but one season ever, 2012, he had more than 10 touchdowns. But but listen, Devontae doesn't need to be Julio to get into the Hall of Fame. So like I said, give me two more years of elite play, 91-90, and then your next season is like an 85. It's got to be burned into our memory. It, it's got to be one of those things that in 20 years, you look back and people, when they think great receiver, they think Devontae. And I just think there's a long way to go to, to get on that tier of Megatron. You know, I think Devonte's more on the tier of like a, maybe like a T.Y. Hilton, probably a, a step above T.Y. I think he's done things that T.Y. hasn't, um, especially in a shorter period of time. But it's kind of in that range. You know, you, you, when you talk to somebody about T.Y., it's like, oh, yeah, he was pretty good for a while. That's different than like you know who was one of the greatest back in like the 2010s or whatever you call it, and people immediately just boom think Devonte. So and again we don't really have a hard and fast standard, so that's that's just sort of how I view it. It's just one of those guys. When you think great receivers, you think these guys: Jerry Rice, right? When you think great running backs, Barry Sanders, you know Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers played long before my time on this planet but yet I know exactly who he is. And I I spent the time watching him on YouTube because I just knew how good he was. And I wanted to watch him for myself. And my jaw hit the floor when I watched him. Again, is is Devante that kind of a guy? Right now, no. I mean, our recency bias will say yes. Well, of course he is. He was so dominant. He was the best in football. I get that. People have short memories, though. It takes a lot to burn it into your brain so deeply that in 10 years people think back, when somebody says great receivers, are like, dude, remember Devonte? Oh, my goodness. Plus, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing is going to shed some negative light, even though it shouldn't, but it's going to. So it's it's going to take a while. And to be honest, um, to the second part of your question as far as could that be part of the problem where he's thinking Hall of Fame and he's thinking, you know, with Jordan Love, I'm not going to get there, whether it's Carr or, or Love or whatever, I think one of the things that could help solidify him is being dominant. Um without Rodgers. And and he's already done it. Right? You remember when Rodgers went down, all the receivers in Green Bay fell off except DeVonte. That guy didn't lose a beat. And people forget that, but if if Jordan Love did take over, or let's, you know, let's say it's in 2 years, 3 years, whatever, and DeVonte's just now getting into, you know, his third or fourth year of dominance, of of like super maximum elite dominance, and Jordan Love steps up and he's still one of the top receivers, which, you know, he still can be because the nature of how he plays is that he runs away from people so well. He's so good off the line. He's such a great player for this system, which is such so quick pace. If the point is get off the line and get open quickly so I can deliver the ball to you quickly and we get that quick six-yard slant, dude, Devontae will kill you every single time. You don't need Aaron Rodgers to, to throw out to a wide-open Devontae. Now, there are some spectacular throw and catches between Rodgers and Devontae that I'm not going to dumb down and say that any old quarterback could do that. There's chemistry, there's all kinds of things. And that all plays into statistics and all those kinds of things. But the point is, Devonte is a great receiver by himself, and we know for a fact that he would thrive anywhere. Statistically, he would depend somewhat on where and who he's playing for. Not just that, but scheme and alignment and, and quarterback and play calling and all that kind of stuff. How many wide receivers are on the field? That the PFF just did a study about uh, they have yards per route run, but they looked at... What is it? Something else, yard per route run. But it's based on basically how many, what what formation you're in. Because what formation you're in dictates your yard, yards per route run. So it's just a more accurate way of adjusting for that. Twenty nine, twenty four. 24 suns are coming back slowly. But anyways, I think I'm going to cut it there. I'm going to go figure out how to make this thing come up on my television. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.